for our Sabbath school lesson. Uh, I'm going to have Jonathan, who is here working with us on our IT team, he and his wife. Uh, he's going to put up a little app uh, this morning that you can join. Uh, if you don't have your, your physical Sabbath school lesson, I know that some of you may not have had a chance to pick it up from the local church, uh, but if you go to that app on your uh, your devices, your smartphones, uh, you can download that app. It's got that little green thing on it, uh, and you can actually follow us in the Sabbath school lesson. But for those of you who have the hard copies, uh, you can go ahead and pull them out at this time. Uh, and this morning, uh, we're going to be studying this week's lesson was on the origin and nature of the Bible, the origin and nature of the Bible. Uh, and our memory text today, we're just going to go ahead and read it together, is from the New King James Version, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. Here's what the Bible says. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Uh, and so uh, as we study the origin and nature of the Bible, uh, we're going to look uh, this week and we have different people from around the conference that are going to share with us. Uh, we're going to look and see uh, how we can understand the nature of of the scripture uh, and how it impacts us in our daily lives. And, and one, things I, one of the things I want us to, uh, to begin with, conceptually speaking, if you want to understand the word, you must understand the basic parameters of the word. You wouldn't trust your medical doctor if he went to engineering school. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you knew your medical doctor had a degree in engineering or, or, or mathematics uh, and didn't go to medical school, your trust level for him or her would go down. You could not study music using the tools and techniques of farming. Likewise, there is a divine human dimension that we must bring to the table before we begin to, to, to open up and study the Word of God. That divine human dimension that I'm talking about this morning is called faith. If I was a preacher and I was at my church, I would have everybody turn to your neighbor and say, faith, not my daughter, but faith. That faith is the substance of things that are hoped for, the evidence of things you cannot see. And so as you go into the study of the Word of God, you must bring the faith element to that study of the word of God. Faith is the source, or having faith is the source, uh, is the key uh, to believe in the word of God. If I've got faith, if I've got trust in the source, then I can believe it. I can believe the good news. Uh, uh, some of you uh, recognize that we're living in a time where a lot of times we can't trust some of the sources that we're hearing. Uh, so we're getting news uh, from CNN or MSNBC or, or, or God bless some of your hearts, Fox News. And if you don't trust the source, you can't really believe in it. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you don't believe the source, then it's hard to, to believe the news uh, that that source gives you. And so the word of God, uh, by faith, we believe it as God's word as the source. And, and this morning, uh, we're going to go a little bit deeper into why we should believe that source, into, into what's, what's, uh, what's behind this thing. Why should I believe this book uh, versus uh, other books that might be out there. Uh, and so one of the things I want to leave you with as we transition uh, into Sunday's lesson uh, is in John 1 verse 1 to 3, the Bible says that the word in the beginning was the word, but we're not talking about a book so much. So as we go into this thing, we're not just talking about uh, books of the Bible, 27, uh, 39 in the old and 27 in the new. Uh, we're talking about a person. The word is a person. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. And so this morning, I, I pray that you will see God's word in a powerful and a real way. At this time, I'm going to kick it up to the great state of Kansas, where our sister Regina Smith from the Cornerstone Seventh-day Adventist Church is going to lead us into Sunday's lesson. Take it away, Sister Regina. Thank you so much, Pastor Josiah. Praise God this morning. Hello, everybody. Happy Sabbath. And the divine revelation, the divine revelation of the Bible, God is letting us know already, this is not something that you came up with because you couldn't. This is my word and the apostles and the prophets themselves claim this is God's word. So Paul already told us, when you heard the word, you received it as it is in truth, the word of God. Then Peter says, listen, we've got a more sure word of prophecy. We had the prophecy didn't come from me. Peter is letting us know it didn't come in Titus, not of any private interpretation, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now we know that the Holy Spirit is powerful. We know in the beginning, at the very creation of this world, the Holy Spirit moved upon the waters. If you've ever seen the ocean or you've seen water when it's moving, then you know it is a powerful thing. And that is what God is letting us know. This powerful word could not come from humanity. It comes from divinity. But the way that God does our whole um, salvation is that humanity works with divinity. Divinity works with humanity. That's why the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so when God got ready to reveal himself to mankind, he used mankind to deliver things through his Holy Spirit. So it's not like any other book. It's, it's the divine word of God. It's not cunningly devised fables. It's truthful and it's trustworthy because it's coming straight from the throne of God. If we remember when Christ was in the, the, in the a wilderness and he was tempted of the devil, he had been out there fasting. He was hungry. He was at his weakest state. What did he depend on? He told the devil, we 
we, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And he was using the scriptures. That's why Christ said it. The apostles said it. We know, and like Pastor Josiah said, we believe by faith that this is the divine word of God. And I like that when it says this, you have to come to it in faith. When you come to it in faith, then it can effectively work in you when you believe. God can change some things. And, and we remember when Christ was on this earth that, that God said that he was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. And when we allow the word to come into us and we believe the word, when the written word is a part of who we are, then we also become reconcilers. We can reconcile the world to Christ Jesus. Now these holy men, it wasn't a new thing when, when the apostles and the prophets got the word. Of, since the old time God has spoken, he has used verbal communication to, to deal with his people. In the beginning, in the garden, he spoke with Adam and Eve. He spoke with them even in person. We can't have that in-person um, dialogue right now because of the sin. Sin separates us from God. So God needed something, some way to let us know, I still have direction for you. I love you. This is what I need. This is the will, my will for you. So God, he spoke with Abraham. He told Abraham, I want you to count the stars. See if you can tell how many. That's how your seed's going to be. Because, and Abraham believed God. And it was, it was accounted to him for faith. God spoke with Jacob. And he told Jacob, you see this ladder. All these things were divine communications directly from the Father. He spoke with Moses. And we could go on and on. God spoke with these men. And he let them know, this is my will for you. And when we want to know what God's will for our lives is, we need to go to his book, the divine word of God. Now it says also that Bible, it's holy because it was given by a holy God and it was given by a holy spirit and holy men of God spake as they were moved. If we want to be holy, if we want to be a part of God's family, we've got to do those things that are written in this book. Um, it was also given for practical purposes and reasons, because we know as a people, sometimes we need to be taught different things. We need to be rebuked about different things. We need to be corrected, and we need to be trained in righteousness. The only one who can train us in righteousness is the only righteous God, and God lets us know my word is what um, is what trains you. I want to say also, uh, because before I go, that when Jesus Christ was on the way to Emmaus, he let them know this. Uh, he started at, at the beginning and went all through scriptures, the things concerning himself and their hearts burned within them. When we read and study the word of God, when we hear the word, like when Pastor Bernard preached to us this, this afternoon, the word is going to burn within us because it's coming from the Holy Spirit. Our God is a consuming fire and he is going to burn with his word. And now without any further ado, I'm going to pass it on to um, Pastor Hackle. Pastor Hackle, take it away. Thank you so much, Sister Regina. An excellent job helping us understand divine revelation. Now we're going to move to Monday's lesson and the process of inspiration. Uh, the inspiration of scripture is something that I would think will be a point of rejoicing for the world, uh, but I've come to find that many times inspiration of scripture is often not a point of rejoicing, but a point of contention. And that contention centers around the question of origin or who is the source. One of my earliest memories as a Christian involves a member 
venting to another member. Uh, they were upset because another member, member number three, had come to them and said, God told me to tell you this. The member that was venting did not tell whether uh, what they were told was good or bad. They didn't say whether what they were told was relevant or not. All they said is that if God wanted them to know, he would have told them himself. Can you see how the, the inspiration, even in the church, becomes a question of who is the source? And so when we go to the top of Monday's lesson, top of Monday's lesson, if you got your lesson with you, let's read the top of Monday's lesson. It begins at this point, it says, yet, as we already have seen, the Bible is the result of God's revealing truth to us through the work of the Holy Spirit, who transmits and safeguards his message through human instruments. This is the reason why we can expect the fundamental unity that is seen in all of scripture from Genesis to Revelation. For example, compare Genesis 3, 14 and 15 to Revelation 12, 17. And herein lies the beauty of inspiration. Because when you see that not only is there consistency between the two books in the same Bible, Genesis and Revelation, but when you go deeper and you understand that there is consistency between two men that lived at completely different times, Moses for Genesis and John for Revelation, it's mind-blowing, completely mind-blowing. Then if that wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough, that, that two individuals at different times are consistent, if that wasn't enough, you go to 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, and you can't help but rejoice because we learned that inspiration was not just involved in two books of the Bible, but in the compilation of the entire Bible. Check this out. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Did you hear that? The entire Bible is inspired by God. And when you look that word inspiration up in the Greek, it literally means God breathed. Calling to memory that blessed act long ago when God breathed into that mound of dirt. You remember what happened, right? Adam came alive. And so if we're looking for the source, it's God and inspiration is a reflection of his desire to give us life. Can someone say amen? History shows that God has done a great job of communicating to his people what we have done, uh, to communicating to his people, but we've done a poor job of listening, which validates the need for inspiration. Basically, inspiration is God saying, I'm going to use as many methods as, as humanly possible, uh, as godly possible to make sure I get through to you so that you are without excuse. So you didn't listen to me when I told you directly. I'm going to send someone like you who knows nothing about your situation to tell you what I told you all over again. As I prepared to pass the lesson to my sister, Pastor Kimberly Bolden, I want to leave you with the quote from the bottom of the lesson. 
If you have your lesson with you, we're going to the bottom of the page now. It says the Bible points to God as its author, yet it was written by human hands. And in varied style of its different books, it presents the characteristics of the several writers. The truths revealed are all given by inspiration of God, 2 Timothy 3.16. Yet they are expressed in the words of men. That's Ellen White, The Great Controversy, page seven. Family, I got to let you go. I'm sorry, I got to let you go. But I want you to know that the process of inspiration should not be a source of contention, but rejoicing, for it is the fruit of God's desire for us to have life. Happy Sabbath. Praise the Lord, everybody. We are excited that you are here with us. I have the privilege of speaking about the written word of God. Once the men that wrote the book were inspired, they got to writing it down. Uh, when we were children and we went to school in kindergarten, and one of the first things that we had to learn was how to write. Uh, because writing is incredibly important. And as I, we've grown older, you know, writing has always been an integral part of our lives. I know for me, uh, writing is important, especially when I feel inspired to write a song or to write poetry or to write a message. And I think it's no different when it comes to the word of God. It has been very clear according to scripture that writing the word of God was something very important to God and is very important to us as well. So I wanna unpack for a few minutes, why would the Lord have his word written down? What was the significance of making sure that the word of God was written down? And I came up, I see two reasons why it is so important for the word of God to be written. The first one was for the sake of accessibility, the sake of accessibility. It was important to make sure that the word of God was made available to everybody. If it had not been written down, it would have been only an oral tradition and that would have limited uh, the spread of the word of God. But because the writers took it upon themselves to write down what they were inspired, what inspired them by the Holy Spirit, we now have what we call the Bible, the word of God, because they were willing to write it down. So the first reason why it's so important for God's word to be written was so that it would be more accessible to as many people as possible during the time, Bible times, and even to this day. And the second reason why having God's word in written form is so important is because of its reliability. Uh, it's more trusting, um, more trustworthy to have a, a written tradition than just an oral tradition of God's word. When you have an oral tradition, have you ever, uh, you know, I was watching uh, Oakwood uh, alumni service last night and they were going through and singing all the different songs that they've sung down through the years. I don't know if this has ever happened to you before where you, for AY, you, you started to sing a song like, uh, I'm going to sit at the welcome table or you sing a song like uh, with Jesus in the vessel, you can smile at the storm. And sometimes I don't know if this has happened to you. You've gone to different places and different people have different words to the songs based on how they were taught. And I think that happens because a lot of songs have been taught orally it's by oral tradition. And because it was taught orally, people come up with different phrases, different words. And I think what God was doing to prevent 
that from happening where words get misplaced and uh, meanings get replaced. He said, I want this to be written down so that there is no confusion as to what I said through the, the people that were inspired to read. There's a few scriptures that I think will help um, undergird these two points. Let's go to Exodus 34, verse 27. Exodus 34, verse 27. And it says, then the Lord said to Moses, write down all these instructions. This is God speaking to Moses directly. He said, write down all these instructions for they represent the terms of the covenant I am making with you and Israel. I'm sure many of us have had to sign a contract and you Sometimes you may shake on a contract, but every now and again, it's important to see the terms of what you're signing up for. And this is what God is saying to Moses. He's saying, write down these instructions because these are the terms of the covenant. Go to uh, Revelation 1. This is the last scripture I'm going to read before I pass it off. Revelation 1. Revelation 1. I'm going to read verse 11 and verse 19. This is John. He is on the island of Patmos. Let me start at verse 10. He said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, here it is. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches, which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. What is the saying? That God in his wisdom, told John, write down what you see, because what you see is going to be for the edification and the encouragement of the churches in Revelation. I pray that this encourages you and reminds you of how important it is to read the word of God, the written word of God for your edification, for your encouragement, and praise God that God in his wisdom thought this through and said, I'm going to make sure that my word is written down so that as many people as possible will have access to the gospel and so that the word of God will be reliable. Praise the Lord. I'm going to turn it over now to Pastor Waters for our Wednesday's lesson. God bless you. Well, thank you very much there, Pastor. And I want to thank uh, for this Sabbath school lesson as we will deal with the parallels between Christ and scripture. Well, I can tell you this, <clears throat> that both of them, there are going to be four things I'm going to share with you, but one of the things that we need to understand in this parallel, that truly both are inseparable. My father used to always tell me, uh, the old school fellows used to say, a man's word is his bond, but you can't have a word if you don't have the person. Both of them need each other. And of course, we do know this. The Bible tells us in John 1.14 that in the beginning, the word was made flesh. Guess what, folks? Just in case you didn't know it, God's word was here without him being here. Now, I know there's a debate, and I'm not going to get into it, because people said, did Adam see God? Well, that's a question we got to ask him when we get there. But we do know Adam got a chance to hear God hear God talk. So he heard his word before he saw him. So we know that truly when the word came, look at the Old Testament. They didn't have a writing back then. 
Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There was communication. There was a word there, even though they did not see their God. But I can tell you this, a word did not come without the person. So truly, both of them are inseparable. Also, we found out that in the beginning, God's word exists. Now, of course, it didn't end up like a Bible here, but guess what? Those Old Testament fellows didn't have a Bible. We get the Bible at Moses' time. They actually just had a word there that came from the Lord. Also, just to share with you, both of them coexisted together. You don't have a word and you don't have a God. You don't have a God and you don't have a word. Both of them must go together. And true enough, both of them are equal. Meaning this, now, just in case you don't know, the word is revealed in the person and the person must be revealed by the word. Now, just in case you didn't get that, let me go back again there. The word is revealed in the person and the person must be revealed by the word. So it is very clear that Jesus even had to tell them that when he did something, he helped them to remember that it was written in scripture. So Jesus and scripture had to go back together. Matter of fact, Jesus even told them in John 8, 31, 32, and he was about to depart. He said, listen, fellas, if you continue in my word, uh, then you're my disciples. This is Jesus who's about to leave. But he said, guess what? If you stay in my word, we are together. And guess what? When you come to Jesus, he is really called the truth, the real truth. But guess what? John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through truth. My word is truth. So folks, I want to let you know the last thing here. I'm keeping track there. The two minutes, minute and a half I have left there. Do you know the Bible and Jesus are equal? You need scripture in order to validate who God is. And God is the one who validates scripture. The two must work together. How did uh, parallel? Both came by supernatural principles. Both took the Holy Spirit. Men wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus coming in the flesh had to come through the power of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Both of them ended up in humanity's hand. One was made flesh. One was written by man. And then the last thing, both actually, as I come down to the end, both actually magnify each other. Jesus said, guess what? I'm great. But he said, I've magnified my word. But guess what? The word turns back around at the end and declares, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. So both of them are united together. Both of them tell us that without each other, they're inseparable, they're eternal, coexistent, equal, and magnify the other. So with that being said, I'd like to hand over the word to Kasupa uh, Lasurjo in the Eastern Federation. Take it away, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, my dear brother, Pastor Waters. Happy Sabbath, everyone. Uh, for those who may be listening and are fluent in Kiswahili, allow me to greet you 
in my native tongue and your native tongue by saying Sabato Njema, Mungu Abariki Sana. If you had to ask David, in the 21st century, David would have said, I was glad when somebody just sent me a tweet and said, let us go into the house of God. So it is good to be in worship today. My dear brother, Pastor Hako, studied us by quoting Ellen White when you talk about the author. He quoted Ellen White in the book, Great Controversy, page seven. And here it is. The Bible is the only book in the world, indeed in the universe, in which every time you get to it, the author is right next to you. Oh, you missed a good place. You missed your shout cue. I'm going to say it one more time for free since it's the Sabbath. The Bible is the only book in the universe in which where you get close to it, the author is standing right next to you to help you understand it and to enlighten you. And so my task is to talk about understanding the Bible in faith. David, in Psalm 119, verse 18, he prayed a prayer. He said, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your love. So the first thing that we ought to do as we approach the word of God is to pray, is to exercise humility and ask God to open our eyes so that we can understand what he said. And then in Hebrews chapter, one, chapter 11, verse 1, 3, and 6, the Bible says, now faith is substance of things hopeful, evidence of things not yet seen. And through faith, we understand that the world we're from and by the word of God, so that the things that we see were not made out of the things that we, they do appear. And then he finished by saying, but without faith, it is impossible to please God because whosoever comes to God must first believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So faith is a vital component when it comes to understanding the word of God. John 3.16, the most famous verse in the Bible, some of us have it tattooed in our minds, that is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his uniquely born son, the Moganagate, that whosoever believed in him, believe in him. And the Greek word there is pistuo, that to put the trust in, to put the trust upon something. And so the faith aspect, the belief aspect, whosoever believe in him shall have life eternal. And so understanding the word of God is to approach the word of God with the faith that the God that we're reading about, as my brother, uh, Pastor Waters already mentioned, that this is the God who is the living word. John 1, 1 starts by saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God and the word was God. So when we come into the scriptures, we're literally encountering the living, the living word, and that is God himself. And so my brothers and sisters, understanding the Bible by faith is us approaching God with a prayer in our heart, approaching God with humility and approaching God knowing that we serve a God who cannot lie. 
When it comes to the aspect of faith, I'll finish with this. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. put it this way. He said, faith is taking a step even when you don't see the entire staircase. So as you approach God and in his word, take him at his word, trust him. And the more you trust his word, the more your faith will grow. And the more your faith grows exponentially, your relationship with God will be strengthened. God bless you. Have a happy Sabbath. And now I'm passing it to my dear brother, Pastor Kelby McCartney. It's yours, my brother. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning and happy Sabbath, everyone. This has been wonderful. And I just want to take a minute and thank each of our presenters from all over our conference as we've had this virtual lesson study this week. In fact, as we've been studying, we know that all this week we have considered uh, both some foundational uh, aspects of both the origin and the nature of the Bible. And as we study, we realize that the one unifying theme that seems to thread its way throughout each of our lessons this week and throughout the whole lesson is that we notice that when we approach God's word, we should not approach God's word in skepticism or in doubt. But as Elder Kasupa just told us, that we need to approach God's word in faith. Faith, that's the thing that we need to use to touch on. And, and we must understand that faith is not a feeling, nor is feeling faith. They are two different and two different distinct things. But in order to gain a real appreciation for God's word, we must learn to what we call exercise our faith. Now, exercise, as we all know, is something that requires movement and activity. You cannot exercise just sitting there doing absolutely nothing. And so even though you're home right now, I want to give you an opportunity to get some exercise in. So, so if you can, just, just take your arms and, and stretch. Just stretch out of the bed for a second or, or take your legs and, and stretch as well. In fact, if you want, you can get up and even do a jumping jack. Some of the kids make me laugh. They say, Pastor Mac will make you jump, jump. But you, you can get up and do some type of exercise. And, and it requires action and activity. Because that simply means that when we exercise our faith in God or our faith in God's word, that we must learn to hold on to the promises that God gives us in his Bible. And we've got to learn to claim them. It's around this time of year, around Easter time, when we focus on the fact that Jesus is no longer in the tomb, but that he is alive and well. And that right now he is in heaven with God the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And he's interceding on our behalf right now. When we consider that, there's something vitally important that we must remember as we look at our lesson this week. In Friday's lesson, we talked about the fact we are reminded that as essential as the Bible is to our faith, it, the Bible alone, would be of no real spiritual value to us were it not for the influence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts as we read and as we study it. And so what that really means is that in order for us to exercise our faith, we've got to need to have the Holy Spirit. David tells us in Psalms 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. As a lifelong pathfinder and, and now as a master guide, I've, I've had my share of camping. And I want you to know that when you go camping, every good pathfinder knows that you need a light or you need a lamp. And it's an interesting thing about a lamp because with a lamp, a lamp requires some action and some activity. Got a lamp right here. And if, if you notice, in order to get this lamp to work, it requires me to do something. And I've got to push the button 
and try to turn the lamp on. Now, if you notice, I'm pushing the button, but there's nothing happening with the lamp. I like that because just like with our spiritual lives, in order for us to work, we've got to do something. And what we need to do to get this lamp to work, we've got to put the batteries in it. And so when we put the batteries in, just like when we put the Holy Spirit, we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives. And I pray that I put these batteries in the right way. That when we do what we're supposed to do, and we have some action, and we have some activity, we notice that once God gets on the inside of us, then it gives us the power that we need. But notice, even after we allow the Holy Spirit to come in on the inside, it still requires some action and some activity. Because now we've got to exercise our faith. And we've got to push the button. And when we push the button, well, maybe I put the batteries in wrong. But you got my example. When we put the batteries in, it allows the light to light up. And we can then shine our light and allow God to shine through us. So we're going to close with a word of prayer before we turn it over. So let's bow our heads together. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to study your word. We're grateful, Lord, that you have given us your word as a lamp unto our feet and as a light unto our paths. We ask, Lord, that we would hold on to and claim the promises of your word and that we would allow your Holy Spirit to come into our lives so that we might exercise our faith and that we can let our light so shine so that others may see you through us. Thank you for being with us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're now going to pass the torch and turn it over to Dr. Johnson there in the, the Lou, the great city of St. Louis, as she gives us now our discussion on health. Good morning, Central States Conference family and all our guests and friends. This weekend, as we celebrate Jesus's victory at Calvary, let's explore uh, another victory that God desires to have for us. Victory over the virus. Severe, acute, respiratory syndrome, coronavirus, number two. SARS-CoV-2, that's the name of the virus. And that virus leads to a disease that has been called coronavirus disease 2019 or COVID-19. So what is uh, SARS-CoV-2? It's a virus. A virus is a particle of DNA or RNA, in this case, RNA, ribonucleic acid. Remember learning? Adenine bonds with uracil, guanine bonds with cytosine, you know, that eponym that many of us learn, Andrews University General Conference. Well, RNA is surrounded by a protective protein coat that's held together by lipids, fats, greases. The term virus has been used for computer programs that invade and take over our computers, but they have absolutely nothing to do with the viruses that, body, that uh, invade our body. SARS-CoV-2 um, is a virus, uh, and the message that the RNA has has a predilection for our respiratory system, our noses, our throats, our lungs. That's where it reproduces, and that's where it causes harm. Well, what do we do about it? The first line of defense God wants us to do is to never become infected. Prevention. That's where social distancing is most important as well as washing our hands, um, 
and avoiding touching our faces, our nose, our mouth. That's why we use masks and gloves when we're in contact with people outside of our household. Uh, and, but that doesn't take away the importance of washing our hands. We need to wash our hands with soap and hot water, ideally. Now, if you're not where you can get to soap and hot water, using hand sanitizer with alcohol, at least 60% is very good. But remember, when you're at home and when you have the opportunity, soak and water. It breaks down the fat that's holding the protein coat around the virus, and it kind of melts it away, and thus the uh, protein is dissolved, and the virus has no protection, and it dies. The second phase of our victory in our immune system, uh, our immune system is a system that our bodies use to fight foreign substances uh, that are in our body. Our, this uh, system, our, rest, our immune system is composed of white blood cells, antibodies, the complement pathway, and other components to that. Our immune system recognizes things that should not be in our body, like viruses, bacteria, abnormal cells, and it eliminates them. The simple way to remember how to enhance our immune system is with the acronym NEWSTART, N for nutrition. We wanna eat foods high in antioxidants. Those are things like our spinach, uh, kale, collards, Brussels sprouts, some of the kids, things our kids don't like, but we need to help them eat it anyway, or disguise it. You can do things like uh, puree it and put it in sauces, puree it, put it in uh, burger meats, uh, puree it, put it in a smoothie, but they need to get those green leafy vegetables. They also, another thing that gives us is our dark berries. Uh-oh, our blue blackberries, our blueberries our raspberries, also plums, garlic. Um, we need to eat several servings of these every day. You need to plan to eat as much of a plant-based diet. That means avoiding as much animal meats and animal products as possible. E is for exercise, at least 30 minutes every day, because when we exercise, that releases endorphins. Endorphins are God's own mood elevators that he gives to us. Um, even for my seniors, you might not be able to walk, but you can do something. Get a couple of cans of vegetables and put them in your hands and exercise. Do chair exercises, move your legs. That is so important because that helps with our immune system. W, water. We need to drink plenty of water. Our goal is to be able to drink at least half of our weight, uh, our body weight in pounds, with the number of ounces that we drink each day. That means if you weigh 100 pounds, then you should drink at least 50 ounces of water. Sunlight. Sunlight releases ultraviolet light, UV light, and that activates our body to make vitamin D. Vitamin D is what's needed to produce many of the antibodies in our immune system. Sunlight is also an air sanitizer. Uh, so open up those blinds. Do the shades, release some sunshine into your house. Remember, even if it's a cloudy day outside, the sun is still releasing UV light. Temperance. We talked about the things we should eat. Now let's talk about what we should not eat. 
we need to avoid sugars. Sodas, juices, Kool-Aid, Capri Suns, cakes, pies, cookies, donuts during this season. Because at this season, really the only sweets we should eat are fresh fruits and vegetables. Caffeine, coffee, Pepsis, Cokes, stay away from it. Of course, we need to avoid alcohol. I know you've seen the Facebook pages that said alcohol kills coronavirus. Yes, on the outside, on your skin, not in your stomach. Alcohol, tobacco, cannabis can tank your immune system. Uh, perhaps that's one of the reasons why we're seeing such a high rate of death in our black and brown communities, in our large cities. It might be due to our use of these poisons. A, air. Fresh air, uh, go outside, maintain your social distance, but go outside. If you can't go outside, open your windows. Know that I know that it's spring and your allergies are flaring. Your mask is there and the, the added benefit is that your mask can help filter out some of the pollens. We need to rest. Just because you don't go to school, my young people, doesn't mean you can't stay up. Um, to two o'clock in the morning, uh, playing video games, watching YouTube, and then sleep till noon. Yes, from uh, midnight to noon is enough sleep, but it's not good quality sleep. You know, our bodies need to have cytokines and cytokines uh, occur when we sleep. It helps fight inflammation and infection. But some of those chemical building blocks that are used for the production of those substances are highest between sundown and noon then or uh, excuse me between sundown and midnight rather than from midnight to noon uh, or daybreak uh t trust in god the situation we find ourselves in we can't even pretend that we can do anything about it we uh, will only stop by the grace of god either miraculously by ending this disease or by giving men and women knowledge to make vaccines or discovering a new treatment but trust in god in aids our immune system, and additionally, by lowering our stress level. Prolonged stress, fear, and worry will lower our immune system. So we need to take those get worries and give them to God. Well, what do you do if you are infected? Don't panic. Far more people recover than die. This is not, this is not a automatic death sentence. If you have a disease already like diabetes, hypertension, heart disease, please take your medicine uh, and attempt to be under the best control possible. Yes, it's great and it's best to use the natural remedies, but now is not the time to throw away your medicines. Use natural things, yes, your zinc, your garlic, your apple cider vinegar, your vitamin C, but use those along with your medicines. Continue working to get off your medicines by exercising, by eating healthy, and do that along with your physician so that you can provide, uh, you can have the best health care. But remember, please, for now, keep taking your medication. But what if you do get infected? Stay at home. Isolate from other family members if possible. If you have a fever, try to tolerate it as much as possible as the fever is working to fight and kill the virus. Uh, 
If your temperature gets above 102 to 103 degrees, take a fever reducer. Ibuprofen and naproxen have been implicated as being harmful in one study, but it has not been confirmed in several others. So if you have to take, uh, so if you have it, take uh, acetaminophen. Tylenol, uh, that's Tylenol. Use it if you have, but if you only have Motrin, Advil, or Aleve, and you have a very high fever, please take it. Drink plenty of water. You want to keep the mucus in your body um, fluid because the mucus is what uh, is happens when the virus is attacking your body, and you want to keep it as thin as you possibly can. Drink some water every 10 to 15 minutes. Take several hot, steamy baths. Uh, to thin your mucus. Do deep breathing. <sighs> At least every 30 minutes. Keep the temperature in your house warm uh, and dress warmly so your body doesn't have to do as much work to mount a fever attack on the virus. Move around. Don't stay in your bed. Movement helps your lungs secrete. Eat. Eat healthy. Spend some time remembering God's promises and have an attitude of victory. If you start to have difficulty breathing, that's the time to call your physician and be seen at the hospital. Remember, call first before you go so that they're expecting you. So you're not sitting in the waiting room and possibly infecting others. Jesus gained the victory on Calvary. And even if some of us go to sleep, to death sleep due to this pandemic, he has already secured our victory. So my brothers and my sisters, we indeed have the victory. Have a wonderful day. Let's stay safe. God loves you. Bye-bye.